Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, March 19th, 2018, episode number 29. This is Tom coming from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and joining me from the Houston Outpost is Nick. Hey, Nick. How's how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? How are you enjoying a weather report without snow in it? I'm enjoying it thoroughly. It's one of the benefits of moving to Texas at some point in your life, although I will not have the last laugh once May comes around because summer is basically a an African-like symposium of torture as far as weather goes from May all the way up until mid-September. So um, I'm embracing it now and, and preparing for the worst. I don't know why you used the word symposium uh, with relation to Africa, but I'm glad you did because it's a good segue. You know, Dan Rooney passed away last April, April 17th at this time last year. And uh, they had a symposium hosted by Duquesne University and the Ireland Funds on St. Patrick's Day called Slaint. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Celebrating the life and legacy of Dan Rooney. Slaint being the uh, Celtic term for good health. And uh, I only mention this. It's just an impressive array of people who lined up to be at this symposium and to speak at it. Uh, The primary keynote speaker was Vice President Joe Biden. It's unbelievable. Spoke very highly of uh, Dan. I assume they met each other when Dan Rooney became the ambassador to Ireland. Right. So question, and this is great to educate our listeners. I'm only asking this hypothetically. I know the answer, of course, but do you call them former vice president? You just always call them vice president, sort of like you always call President Bush, President Bush, not former president. How does that work for our listeners, not me? I don't know. But I think if you okay. meet Joe Biden, you say, hello, Mr. Vice President. That's I get all my information thing. from 24. But I loved, but I loved the number of the, the people who showed up. And Ryan Shazier showed up, which is awesome. I have no idea what state he was in. But Chuck Batch, Bill Cower, and amazingly, Roger Goodell. Did you know he, was a, uh, he went to college near Pittsburgh, Washington and Lee? I did not know that. I forgot that Washington and Lee is close to Pittsburgh. A lot of... Uh... Lacrosse players, uh, you know, go there. Not usually as many football guys, but that's uh, interesting to see. I don't think Roger ever played football, but good to know that he was in attendance to pay respects to one of the greatest owners to ever live. Anyway, do a little search on Dan Rooney in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Pittsburgh. He he was the propulsion behind that event. The St. Patrick's Day Parade is dedicated to his name and uh, named in his honor. Well, seriously, if you're a Steelers fan, you got to feel lucky, not only because of the this, this, this sustained and consistent 
excellence that the team has on the field. But off the field, there's just a lot of things to be proud of. Um, you know, Dan Rooney being the ambassador to Ireland, vice president, uh, the retired, the former CIA director was at the event, you know, the former Steelers coaches and everything. Mike Tomlin, I think, made a comment in his speech. He gave a speech as well. He said, there is not a single area of my life that Mr. Rooney did not touch. You know, that says a lot. That's a cool atmosphere to have with your team. And and even all the way to the to the CBA stuff with all the Le'Veon Bell talk uh, we've had this offseason, dealing with his fight against what we believe to be more the CBA rather than the Steelers. Uh, 31 of 32 teams voted to ratify. They voted for the C, uh, the collective bargain agreement, which sucks. Only one team voted against it, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Mr. Rooney was responsible for the Rooney rule, um, which requires coaching um, or requires teams to interview minority coaching candidates. So I'm babbling a little bit, but it's pretty cool in, in a business with the NFL that gets tainted by a lot of grossness, frankly, that we get a root for a franchise that has some some value to it. Not that they're without their blemishes, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love the I love the story. Retired General Hayden, former CI director and director of the National Security Agent, was talking about the times he grew up. I guess he was coached by Dan Rooney and uh, co-coached with him as a young punk, and how Rooney would call him from time to time as Hayden ascended through the through Dante's hell of of government. But it's just unbelievable close relationships they developed and just. Would notice anybody remember your name that that just doesn't happen i think with your typical yeah. owner and just hope art can carry forward the uh the lineage yeah the he lineage. definitely carries himself that way and, and you know i think that he will be able to do so but man what a what a line of roonies we've had lucky to have him so let's talk about the headlines today we are going to talk about you guessed it free agency we're also going to do a draft preview. We're going to focus on the wide receivers having gone through the safeties last week. So, Nick, Steelers this week, blockbuster. So, yeah, blockbuster. We re-signed Fitzgerald Tucson. We re-signed the fumbler. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. He counts for approximately $150,000 against the salary cap, but between you and me, it's worth it. The fumbler is back, and Steelers Nation is outraged. But uh, regardless, I do think the Fitz signing is actually a good one. But obviously, I'm joking because this is probably one of the craziest off seasons in recent memory for the NFL as far as the free agent frenzy, huge names going different places. Obviously, you have a marquee quarterback and Kirk Cousins going to a top four team in the league with the Vikings and just a lot of stuff happening. And unsurprisingly to us, the Steelers are have been characteristically inactive. And it has a lot of Steelers Nation in a panic because particularly since we have a couple glaring holes at that safety and linebacker position where we don't even have starters on the team. And it took them until just the last few days to finally even get a linebacker when the Steelers signed John Bostic. But I don't know if you realize every team except for the Steelers and the Cowboys had made a free agent signing until Steelers signed John Bostic. But like I said, Steelers Nation in a frenzy. Because we're not signing people, although I'm not sure if they're listening to any of the podcasts where we've let them know that, A, we don't have any money, and B, we already have a good team. So a lot of these people who are signing guys have holes on the roster. Not that I'm saying we don't have some massive holes that we need plugging, but. So John Bostic, dad played in the NFL. Were you aware of that? I was not aware of that, but that's His dad? Yes, his father played in the... um... 
in the NFL for the Kansas, drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in 1985. So he has a good pedigree. Well, he does have a good pedigree because John Bossip, we acquired him from the from the Indianapolis Colts, which isn't a good sign because they have some of the worst linebackers in the league. Uh, Sean Spence didn't even make their team last year, and we decided to make him our starter. But Bostic is actually a very solid player. He could be a really high-end backup and maybe, you know, kind of a fringe starter. But either way, better than the situation we had last year. Um, very crucially, he could make up to like $4 million over the first two years. So it's a cheap guy. We didn't get any of those mid-tier guys we wanted. But this was a really good signing. He's a former second-round pick who's had some trouble with some fluke injuries, so he's bounced around a couple teams. But very good pick by the Steelers. Um, you know, worst-case scenario, he starts, and your defense is better than it was last year with Sean Davis. Um, Best-case scenario, you actually might get some inside linebacker depth back if you had Bostic and Matakevich behind, hopefully, you know, someone that we draft or something like that starting. So John Bostic's the only outside signing we've had. And then we re-signed well, the fumbler, Fitzgerald Toussaint, which doesn't necessarily guarantee that he's going to make the team. But, hey, as much as I give him crap and he deserves it for that fumble in the playoffs, he's been a very serviceable third-string running back. He's decent on special teams. He knows the offense very well now. He can catch. He can block better than James Conner can. And uh, like I said, we don't know if he's going to make the team, but it's a good sign. It costs no money. It's a good job retaining what? him. Wouldn't it be great if, having signed the flumber, fumbler, we signed the Riddler back, Stefan? No, 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 no news about him so far. No, no news about him. So we'll see. But long story short, um, didn't have to spend a lot of money. Still have a little bit of cap space left. There are some safeties out there. The Steelers do not have a starting safety on their roster with the release of Mike Mitchell and Robert Golden, who was never starting safety. But let's put it this way. There's no way that Wilcox is going to start day one for the Steelers. I said that last week. I'll say it again this week. So the inside linebacker market, I wouldn't even say it dried up. It, 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 is there a, like a hyperbole for drying? It just evaporated. There you go. Nailed that one. It evaporated immediately, and some of the guys who we wanted got overpaid. Um, which is exactly what the Steelers avoid in free agency, which is what makes them a good team. So we got a depth guy in John Bostic, but we're still looking for a safety. And the safety market has not gone very fast. I guess we have to talk about Tyrone Matthew, a.k.a. the Honey Badger signing. He got cut by the Cardinals. That dude is definitely a top 10 safety in the league. He's not the top three or four guy that he was before he sustained some injuries. But the Houston Texans ended up signing him for about, I don't even know, it's like anywhere in between four and seven million per year. But it seemed like a price tag that Steelers might have been able to afford. Either way, the Texans beat him to it. And I do expect the Steelers to hopefully sign at least one guy out there before the end of free agency. And yeah, have like, you seen anybody on? I'm looking at pro football focus, and um, I'm not sure if there's anybody within reach. Yeah, there's some guys who can get overpaid. Obviously, we're going to be looking at Boston is the guy we're looking at, who we've looked at for the past couple of years and haven't been able to get a hold of him. He might get overpaid. You got Kenny Vaccaro from the Saints. Those are two names to keep an eye on. And then we got the guy Thomas. I think it was Michael Thomas from the Dolphins, who's more of a special teams guy, um, who they brought in to see if they could replace Robert Golden's spot. But he left Pittsburgh without a deal today, and uh, it doesn't look likely that they're going to get him. And plus, we'll, we'll get into this maybe a little bit more later, but a lot 
all signs are pointing to the Steelers drafting Justin Reed, the safety we brought we broke down last week from Stanford in the first round of the draft. So if they get him, uh, if he if you know he assuming he lasts until the Steelers, it really looks like that they're going to be going all in with that during the draft. So they might not even sign someone in free agency. I'd be surprised, well, but like you said, there's not a lot of options. Well, you heard it here eighth, Justin Reed in the first round for the Steelers. Yeah. You did hear it here eighth, but I mean, it's a good, good guy to go after. We can cross our fingers that we get the guy, or like I said, my guy Rashawn Evans, a middle linebacker. But at this point, I mean, you literally don't have a starting caliber safety. You need to poke someone in there. At least John Bostic. He might not be an ideal starter. He's maybe Vince Williams is a little bit better than this guy, but. It's a definitely a big step over what you had last year. Rather than if you had Wilcox in at free safety this year, that would be a disaster. So it's going to be prioritized. Got to get a safety. So in other headlines, you feel pretty passionate about the uh, coming further imbalance of the NFC versus the AFC with regard to roster strength. Yes, absolutely. Make your so, case. So the, the free agent frenzy basically established that the NFC is going to dominate this year, just like they did last year. And they're probably going to continue dominating going forward. You look at all the best teams in the NFC, all the people who reached the very end of the tournament. You have the Philadelphia Eagles, who probably have the best roster in all football. They just won the freaking Super Bowl with the backup quarterback. Their best quality was defensive line. And they just added a star defensive lineman to their team in Michael Bennett. So the rich get richer there. Obviously, you take Kirk Cousins and you put him on maybe the most talented roster in football in Minnesota. They're fantastic. The, the New Orleans Saints have made a couple signings. They're already a great team. One, I think they're, what, a, a fluke play away from the NFC Championship game? Stacked. So many teams over there and so many people making signings. And over here, the NFC North, obviously we talked about the Browns movements, but the Bengals and the Ravens haven't really done too much altogether. And it really looks like the Steelers and the Patriots are on a crash course again. And they both have been kind of kind of silent in free agency, although the Patriots have actually lost more guys than they usually do. Now, the AFC won't be quite as bad as last year just because somebody's going to improve. There are a few teams. Kansas City has loaded up with weapons. The Chargers are loaded. But at the end of the day, it still is Pittsburgh, New England, and everybody else. They, It's all in for this year. We need to plug up those starting holes. And that's why this will lead me into our next section in which somebody or some people are still under the crazy thought that we're going to draft a quarterback in the draft, let alone in the first two rounds. So you're referring to Jim Wexel, of course, the headline being the, the case for Mason Rudolph. Yeah, and I'm just using, I, I don't know if it goes by James or Jim, but he writes for scout.com. He, he's actually, he's great. Jimmy, Jimmy, he's a good guy. He writes a lot of good stuff. I'm just going to use him as a scapegoat now because he's the one who just – he actually predicted in a tweet that if the Steelers don't get Justin Reed, they're drafting Mason Rudolph, the quarterback from Oklahoma State, the school where quarterbacks tear it up in their college days and are absolutely horrendous in the pros. Brandon Whedon, um, there's that dude White who won the Heisman Trophy over Larry Fitzgerald somehow. But regardless, the Steelers are not drafting a quarterback in the first two rounds. And if they do, I'll be on suicide watch. But I'll be shocked that they will because th the window is absolutely right now. The Steelers already have the team. They just need to plug up a few small holes. 
and the AFC is weak. And Ben, you know, a couple more years left this is probably your last, probably your last year with Le'Veon Bell right now. And they're they need to draft people who can plug in and start right now, not some project for later. They've obviously shown that because they're taking the salary cap to the very brink. So just shut down this quarterback talk. It's not happening. Well, Jim Wexel has to earn a living in between uh, the end of the season and the draft and the combine, and he's throwing something out there. He makes it, I wouldn't say it's a compelling case. His point is that 1983, we passed up Dan Marino, who wasn't highly touted coming out of Pitt. And look what we could have done. We got Gabe Rivera, who, if, if you don't know that story, had an untimely accident shortly after he started his career with the Steelers and couldn't play anymore. But, you know, Mason Rudolph, good numbers, as you said, in college, but a bridge too far, I think. Trying to make a case has nothing to do with 1983, by the way, and Dan Marino. Yeah. He won't be Dan well, Marino. Right. And, and no, I don't mean to crap on Wexel here. He's a good writer. He's just the one who wrote the tweet that made me feel compelled to need to talk about that today. But other people in the mass media who don't follow the Steelers closely are suggesting that too. And I'm not saying Mason Rudolph can or can't be a good quarterback in the NFL, although I do have enormous doubt about Oklahoma State quarterbacks. Um, but it's just... This, the window is now. We need guys who are going to plug in and play for us. The Steelers have shown that. You know, two years ago, all first the first three guys in the draft, Artie Burns, Sean Davis, and Grave Digger, Hargrave, they all played significant stat, snaps. This past year, TJ Watt and Juju, they're expected to be starters. You know that they're going um, safety and inside linebacker in the first two rounds. And most likely, it's going to be safety, linebacker, and wide and wide receiver. You might switch the first two order, but um, they got to get guys who they can plug in right away. Well, before we move on to analyzing the, the top wide receivers in the draft, we have a little counterfactual thing we like to do once in a while. We haven't done this on our show before, but it's called Tommy Ball, which is contrarian football. This is, you are the billionaire with the team. You get to pull the strings, make the marionettes dance. And you don't have to be stuck in that little box because nobody can fire you. So you have the option of doing outrageous things. Like, I think the first thing we were talking about is, what if the Steelers focus on strengthening a strength rather than plugging a hole? In other words, what if we double down? What if we get, well, we're not getting a quarterback because he can't get on the field. Right. More offensive firepower, though. So I wouldn't suggest this, but... Like we were talking about earlier, there are some great teams in the NFC, like the Eagles, who added to their already dominant defensive line. Like They need receivers. The Eagles do not have many receivers, so you think their fan base is probably clamoring for that. They didn't see any receivers out there they like, so you know what they did? They just made their defensive line even more dominant. The Rams have the best defensive player in the league, a Pittsburgh product, Aaron Donald, and they're courting Ndamukong Sue right now, who's probably a top six or seven defensive lineman in the league. They could be unbelievable. The Jaguars, instead of getting um, Blake Bortles more weapons really on the outside, they got one guy, I think, but they got another offensive lineman to shore that up. What if the Steelers, if they don't have a guy they like at safety, or if they don't have a guy they love at safety or inside linebacker, what if they went ahead and took one of these two tight ends, Mike Gesicki or Hayden Hurst, who are dropping? And you get to have – you're basically just insinuating no matter what we do, this defense isn't going to get that much better. So if we can hold teams to 45 like we did in the AFC Championship game and we just score 50 a game, then we'll crush everybody. You know what? 
that's not realistic. But but think about it. Actually, if you were playing timing ball, if you've got Kasicki or someone like that, maybe Hayden Hurst. He's a tight end from South Carolina who is actually 24 years old because he played some minor league baseball for the Pirates, actually. Um, and he's coming out late, but he's going to drop because of his age. People don't like when people come out of uh, college and they're old like that. But the dude can block and he can really catch, stretch the field, and make red zone catches. You could run those famous New England Patriots two tight end sets. You would have Juju, A.B., Marty, Vance, you know, Hurst, Le'Veon Bell, just an embarrassment of riches, Martavis Bryant, and you just could be uncoverable. Rosie Double Nicks. down. Don't forget him. Rosie Nix. And tackle eligible. Don't forget that. You, I'm still waiting for Villain to wave his touchdown. He was a wide receiver at Army somehow. Yeah. Seems like a lost opportunity. Pro Football Focus actually said that the Steelers' uh, needs are inside linebacker and offensive tackle, by the way. Yeah, so pro football focuses and never watch the Steelers then, have they? Right. That, that's why you know, these national services and uh, pundits are sort of missing the point here. By well, you know what that is? They just see that we lost Chris Hubbard, our backup tackle, and they're like, well, you better right. fill that need. And, I mean, that's not entirely wrong. It, this, the Steelers probably are going to promote Matt Filer, but they will need a tackle, but that's just down the list as far as needing immediate help at safety and linebacker and then probably a wide receiver too. Let's hope Eli Rogers gets better, but you really do need to plug someone in there, and no better way to do that than by finding someone in the NFL draft. Well, another fine segue, Nicholas. Let us now talk about the wide receivers, the top five list for the Stillers, if I may. Please. What if we get Mike Gallup from Colorado State? What could we do with that name? I mean, Wide receiver on. named Gallup. That's like having a quarterback named Joey Cannon. Wow, you came up with it that fast, huh? We didn't rehearse that. That's just what we do. We're professionals. Dante Pettis is out of the University of Washington. And we yep. have another guy from Boise State we're looking at, Cedric Wilson, Jr. Does that Deshaun name ring Hamill a bell? Does he? Little the son of Super Bowl champion Cedric Wilson, the wide receiver for the Steelers, um, when Antoine Randall L threw that touchdown pass against the Seahawks. Oh, my. I know. Makes me feel very old and decrepit. Number four, Deshaun Hamilton out of the Penn State. Boo. James Washington <laughs> out of Oklahoma State. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. It's okay. It's there's the there's nothing pit. left in the cupboard of Pitt right now, so I have no room to boo. But well, there why don't we is get a, into I will, it? I will give a – there's Quadri Henderson, who I'm putting as an honorable mention. He's a receiver returner from Pitt who for some reason declared for the draft after having 17 catches. But he is a really good kick returner, punt returner. Maybe he can make the Steelers as an undrafted free agent. But right. for now, the Penn State guy has to be left on there. So let's get into it. Colorado State, Mike Gallup, our number okay. one on our board. So besides that name, I mean, the guy's actually good at football. What I tried to do here, guys, was I tried to make a list of realistic receivers that the Steelers are going to get. So – like I said, if the Steelers draft plays out the way we think it should, they're going to get either inside linebacker or safety in the first and second rounds. And then the third round is kind of the perfect time to take a wide receiver. So I, I pretty much left off guys with first round grades and try to find guys that are like second, third, mid-round type grades. So the guy that I actually liked the most after watching the film was Michael Gallup from Colorado State. Out of all the guys I saw, he was the one that struck me as an actual polished wide receiver. 
And what I mean by that is he's a good route runner. He has nuanced releases. Like when people try and jam him off the line, he has all these little moves a la, you know, poor man's Antonio Brown where they can't get him caught up there. And um, some guys out of college, I always like to use the examples of Sammy Coates and Martavis Bryant. They're not polished. Like they still would drop the ball. Um, they couldn't run routes. Martavis still can't run routes. But they have incredible athletic traits like speed and size and ability to jump, which causes NFL teams to project them to potentially be good guys in the NFL. Steelers have been pretty good at them. But this guy, Michael Gallup, is more of like a – I wouldn't say a finished product because he has a lot of room to grow. But he's just got more abilities. He can run routes. He's got great hands. He was the number one option at that Colorado State um, attack, so he knows what it's like to be the man. They moved him all around, which insinuates that he could be a good um, fill for the slot position. Take that Eli Rogers position, especially when you consider that Martavis is going to be moving on most likely after this year. Juju will probably move to the outside, and this guy could go into the slot. So he can do everything. He's tough. He has great run after the catch. He's great in the screen game, which the Steelers love. And probably the only knocks on him is like he's just not a burner. He's got good speed, but he's not super athletic. And he's a little bit slight of build. He's 6'1", 205. He's a, he seems a little skinny out there, but they can put some weight on him. And like I said, he's versatile. And the Steelers are either looking for a Martavis Bryant burner or somebody who can do kind of everything and work the middle of the field. This guy would be perfect in the third round. Yeah, I think uh, I'd be surprised if he's still around. That's the problem. Well, I'm hyping him up a lot, but like I said, he had a he has basically a second, third round grade on him for most people because he just doesn't have. Um, wow, this guy has him as as a as number one. Somebody else uh, loves him like football, I do. The NFL draft focus uh, draft guide on. Well, granted, they think that the Steelers' biggest need is a tackle, so I don't really know how much I trust okay, them. Let's use that against them, right? He, he's in the he's in the running, though. You know, you never know what people will do. I would be shocked if he gets taken in the first round, but I, I could see him going in the second round, and I I don't know if he'll be all the way around by number, you know, by the third round. But let's say the Steelers get to their pick in the second, and they don't have an inside linebacker or a safety who they like. And they take this guy, a la Juju Smith-Schuster from last year. Same exact situation, almost the same draft spot. We really needed a corner, and everybody was shocked and a little annoyed that we took a wide receiver. But at that point, you just got to take the opportunity of who has the better grade. So he was just my favorite of this list and who I thought was realistic. All right, so we're going to move on to your punt returner, Dante Pettis. Yes. Just one more thing on Gallup. He is not the number one receiver. He's not one of the top three receivers crazy he's not going the first round if he does i will eat my hat which one um whatever one's the thinnest and the smallest no no you you can't do that that's sacrilegious even though most of my hats are Steelers. let's go back to the punt returner dante pettis from washington he's another kind of slight guy but the thing i really like about him is he's a great punt returner he broke deshaun jackson's pack 12 record for punt return touchdowns in a career i believe and he's just—he's good in the open field. He's kind of like an Eli Rogers-esque type guy. He's a willing blocker. He's not a big guy, but he catches with his hands, and he can work the middle of the field. He's not particularly dynamic. Um, he's a little bit in, inconsistent. But the Steelers would do very well by themselves by picking somebody who fills two roles. So if they pick a backup running back somewhere, let's hope he can return punts or kicks. If they pick a receiver somewhere, let's hope he can return punts because – 
That has been a problem for two or three years now. He would be a great pick. He might be available in the second or third. Dante Pettis from Washington. All right. And in the third slot, you picked the man from the blue field from Boise State, Cedric yes, Wilson I, Jr. I like this guy more than the other blue field guy we broke down, Leighton Vanderesh, who's a linebacker. But Cedric Wilson, think of him as the big play guy. He is not Martavis Bryant in terms of alien-like qualities, but he was the man for that Boise State team. And out of all the guys we're looking at, he can really go deep and catch the big ball. He's, he's again, he's another kind of slight guy who doesn't have the elite speed. That's why those type of guys go in the first round, second round. That's why most of the guys we're breaking down aren't monsters. But he definitely has big playability. Look for Cedric Wilson. He's my third choice. All right. If we must, we'll talk about Deshaun Hamilton from Penn State. Deshaun Hamilton from Penn State. Deshaun. Yes, Deshaun. I, not, I didn't notice the A-E. <laughs> Yes, the AE. It's, it's a my, subtlety. My phone. I mean, he's a nittany lion. I don't blame you for not looking at it for too long, but we're just kidding, guys. He's a pit guy. We know that. Some of you may have gone to Penn State. Some of my friends have gone to Penn State. Kevin Hogan went to Penn State. We don't like him, but let's hope Deshaun becomes a stealer because he's pretty good, man. Deshaun, he was the third fiddle on that Penn State offense to the almighty Saquon Barkley and then Trace McSorley, their quarterback. This guy is kind of like a poor man's Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a stronger, bigger-looking guy who works the middle of the field, and he has some nice success with jump balls when he's like battling with corners. So the first guy I told you about, he's nuanced. He can kind of move all over the field. The second guy is shifty in, in his punt returner. That's Pettis. The third guy, Cedric Wilson, is a burner. This guy is more kind of uh, somebody who's going to body you up. He's an effective runner, kind of like Juju, where he doesn't have a lot of shakes, but he knows how to use his momentum, and he's a strong guy. Um, but uh, So he kind of would fill that sort of need, especially if Juju moves to the outside. He could kind of op- occupy a similar space. The only thing is he's, not, he's just not as beast as Juju in terms of his explosion or his build or his nuance and his route running, and he's just not a good blocker. It's upsetting, and that, that does play into what the Steelers are looking for. But nonetheless, he's still got some good potential. Well, in the fifth, the fifth selection, um, another guy from Oklahoma State, James Washington. Yes, Oklahoma. Do we do? What, do we do Oklahoma State before? Or are you well, we we're talking to- about Mason Rudolph. Yeah, Mason Rudolph. And so this is why I've linked him to the Steelers. He has a first or second round grade on him, but I'm putting him at number five, basically for that reason. Like, I don't know if we're gonna, if he'll be around by our second round pick. But the Steelers did go to the Oklahoma State Pro Day, and to defend Jim Wexel, you know, the Steelers looked smitten with Rudolph, and they had dinner with James Washington, the receiver. So they're clearly interested. Um, the internet made a couple hilarious memes of Tomlin looking hungrily at Mason Rudolph in a still photo while he's dropping back to pass. But they had dinner with James Washington. Now, he is more the first or second round type guy who I talked about in terms of his build. He's like a big NFL type wide receiver who can make downfield catches when he has a guy on him and he can play the sideline. He makes those back shoulder catches. He can do the out the sideline routes and go deep and make some good catches. And he's just good at getting open. He's a versatile player, but he's a little bit slow and he's not a great blocker and he kind of slacks off when he's not getting the ball. I just don't think he'll be there when the Steelers draft. Um, I think someone will scoop him up ahead of time. But he's definitely on the radar because the Steelers have shown some significant interest in him. 
So there you have it. Uh, what do you, so a couple of these guys could go one or two. I mean, who's going to be there in the third round? I don't think any of these guys are going in the first round except for maybe James Washington. And I don't think he's going to go there either. There's really, it's, it's not a great receiver class in general, um, but especially at the top. There, you know, Calvin Ridley is the guy from Alabama who a lot of people think will go in the first round. And then there's DJ Moore from Maryland and Equinemius St. Brown, I think that's how you say his name, from Notre Dame. And I don't really think anybody outside of those guys are going to go in the first round. And I don't necessarily think all three of them will. You know, the Ravens are going to pick a receiver. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And then somebody else might. But there's going to be guys around. Um, I don't know if they're going to last to the third round. You know, I think Cedric Wilson definitely will be there. Um, I don't know how long Gallup will last. And um, what is his name? Petten? Pettis. Pettis. Sorry. Yeah, Dante Pettis, the punt returner. I'm not sure where he'll go either. So there, there will be guys available. Um, I'm just not sure if the Steelers will have all the way to the third round to take them. And, but uh, any one of those guys is a realistic pick for the Steelers and would be a good fit, in my opinion. All right. Well, uh, so just note that March 25th to the 28th coming up is the annual league meeting in Orlando, Florida. It'll be interesting to see if they deal with this, what constitutes a catch issue. Yeah. you can't, I mean, good luck, dude. Well, Art Rooney needs to represent because we're the ones who got burned, and I, I feel that uh, too late. <laughs> wow, but how Isn't about it? next year? Well, I think Jesse's just going to bring it into his chest next year. Well, it's just we're a hard not going to sit here and listen. Be a to you. level of subjectivity. You know, you don't want to hear me bad mouth the United States of America. No, I don't. I think that the, a pass should, you know, crossing the plane to the goal line, it should be the same as a, a rushing touchdown. What's the problem yeah, with that? Yeah, no, you're right. And I, hopefully that's the, the rule they settle on. Let's but take away discretion. What happens, if, uh, what happens if a guy jumps up in the middle of the end zone and catches it above his head with two hands and his toes hit the ground and he's bringing the ball to his chest and a safety comes across and spears the ball out of his chest? Should that count it's a as touchdown. a touchdown? It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. All you got to do is catch it for a second. Have it. Have a grip on the football across the plane, and that's it. Because it, there's too much discretion with the rest of it. Did he have it long enough? Did so he you're not, you wouldn't be able to knock it out of someone's hands in that case? No. Unless, so unless maybe that's different because he never crossed the, the – maybe he never crossed the uh, – the end zone in that case, he's already in there, so we would have to bring it to his chest or something. Well, I'm going to put that than... on the website. You're going to see definitively that he crossed the plane to the goal line and scored six points. Well, well, I'm asking what I'm asking, what if someone's in the middle of the end zone? Jesse was on the one-yard line, and he reached across. I'm Zach Ertz the for the Philadelphia Eagles reached across in the Super Bowl. I agree I with that. You catch it and you reach across, the play's done. You catch it, your play's in the end zone, the play's done. Why gotcha. add to, why add judgment to the call? The only judgment oh. that you would need is if the ball is the ball being juggled. Does he actually have it between his hands? His hand is a helmet. That that would be the questionable call. So, but in the scenario that I outlined, something that he made a catch on in the end zone. He's in the very center of the end zone. He's looking straight at the quarterback. He jumps up in the air, puts his hands above his head, catches the ball. His toes hit, and while he's bringing it down, this is all in the course of one second, the safety comes across and knocks the ball out of his hands. In the middle of the field, that would be a drop, and you couldn't even have a problem with that being a drop because, yeah, the defensive backs are sometimes allowed to dislodge the ball, 
So why should the rule be different when it counts more for a touchdown? That's just where I could see some some difficulties. But I agree that if the guy catches it and then reaches across the goal line, the instant a millimeter of the ball passes, it should be done. It's just no, a lot I of subjectivity. Yeah, I think you have a problem when you try to differentiate between breaking the glass and catching it in the middle of the end zone. I acknowledge that issue. I'm just trying to reduce the amount of subjectivity introduced by the rules that they have where these refs are supposed to make a, a distinction when there's absolutely no difference. Well, if that's your angle, you're trying to remove subjectivity, I totally agree with you because you're not going to be able to argue with it. You have both hands clamped around it. It's a touchdown. But then we're going to be mad when somebody – catches the ball in the end zone for a second and Sean Davis knocks it out of his hands and it says, nope, nope, too late. It's a touchdown. Whereas in the middle of the field, if he catches it and Sean Davis knocks it out of his hands, it's an incompletion. Well, I am willing to debate that with you in a future show. Our time draws near. I want to thank everybody for joining us. I know this is the doldrums and we're, we are trying to sharpen our pencils, look ahead to whom the Steelers could be acquiring in the next few weeks And I would love to hear what you have to think. What are your ideas? Who do you think the Steelers are going to pick up? You can hit us in multiple venues, Twitter, at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on our blog at SteelersOutpost.com or send us an email at SteelersOutpost at Gmail. As soon as our advertising picks up, we'll get our own domain name there. So anything else to add, Nicholas? No, that's about it. I mean, you know, this might not have on-field action, but there's a ton of action with this free agency stuff and wondering what the Steelers are going to do in the draft. I'm pretty excited. After looking over all these prospects, you got to have faith that the Steelers are going to make the right pick as long as they don't force something because there's some guys out there. And uh, we'll have fun for the next few weeks up through the draft and a little bit after that, and then we'll probably suffer through some doldrums before the OTAs start. But um, we're going to brace the time now, but I'm already ready to... Ben chucking bombs to AB for for uh, touchdowns that count. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week. We will talk to you again next week. Okay. Bye bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. 
Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.